Learn to code, build apps, inspire the next generation. Welcome to the Swift App School podcast, where we are empowering the next generation of app developers. I'm Charles Long, co-founder of Swift App School. And I'm Bob Williams, co-founder of Swift App School. Welcome to episode three of the Swift App School podcast. Today, we're going to discuss Computer Science Education Week. All right. Yay. We're also going to discuss breaking the diversity barrier in computer science and iOS Mac development. I think Bob has something to share about that topic. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, Bob, you want to say something about guests? Uh, Before we begin this episode, I just wanted to mention we've been wanting to have some guest speakers on the show. And so we would love to have CS educators, independent developers, or if you're working at a company and you're you know, in the iOS or Mac OS space, we'd love to have you on as a guest speaker. So please reach out to us on social media. We're mainly on Twitter at Swift App School is where you could reach us or via email. It's Bob at SwiftAppSchool.com or Charles at SwiftAppSchool.com. So we're going to start out with all things code, which is typically what we do as our first segment. This is a great segue right into Computer Science Education Week. So what is Computer Science Education Week? Computer Science Education Week is an annual call to action to inspire K-12 students to learn computer science, advocate for equity, and celebrate the contributions of students, teachers, and partners to the field. And I'm getting this from csedweek.org. Computer Science Education Week takes place December 6th through the 12th in 2021. I want to go to csedweek.org's website here and just talk about some of their history. They basically state the first CS Ed Week was launched by ACM on December 6th through the 12th in 2009. It was a joint effort led and funded by ACM with the cooperation and deep involvement of many organizations listed on their website. The intent is CS Ed Week will be celebrated each year during the week of Grace Hopper's birthday, which is December 9th. She was born in 1906, and she was the person who invented the first compiler and coined the term bug, which is an error in a program, after removing an actual moth from a computer in 1947. That's so cool. And so I thought it was fitting that they obviously use, you know, the week that she was born to celebrate Computer Science Education Week. And they, you know, they don't really talk about computer science history too much in school. I'm just started learning it as we started teaching the app camp. and. It's really fascinating. I mean, to, just to study the history, I'd actually like to study more of the history. My sister's a history teacher at high school. And uh, yeah, she, you know, she doesn't teach anything about computer science history, I know. So I don't know. Just be, I think it would be nice for, for history teachers maybe to teach that during this week. You know, maybe even just take a day out of their curriculum to teach it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of times they do talk about a little bit of history, but they don't really go in depth. And I'm finding more information now in regards to the history of computers. And I find it really fascinating. Like you said, it's interesting. When I was in college, we had, I guess it was CS 101. And that class actually did have the computer science history. Most people aren't teaching a really in-depth background, but I just slept in class most of the time. (laughs) Because at that time I was already into IT and I was, you know, working on computers and I was working in an IT shop throughout my teenage years. You know, I was working in an IT job when I was going back to college and taking this class. And so it was just boring to me. I really wish I would have paid attention though, because now I'm finding that I really enjoy history more than I used to. And obviously 
being in computer science, I wish I would have paid more attention to the history. And because we live in an age where you can see the progression of technology and it's fascinating to see with, you know, in the past hundred years, how far we've come from punch cards all the way up to the future being like blockchain and AR, VR, and all these other technologies that are coming on. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm dating myself, but when I was at the University of Georgia, we still had the Fortran punch cards <laughs> when we started out. Uh, and yeah. And then it just quickly changed like that next year, you know, they started giving out emails and we're like, we, we don't need an email address. What do we need an email address for? Uh, but, you know, yeah, it's just crazy how, how things have changed over time. And I, I guess the other thing I'll say about this is the very first guest speaker that we had at our very first app camp was Susan Reeser, and she is a computer science professor at UNC Asheville. And do you know where her title is, the correct title right now? I know it's not just computer science professor, but I just want to sh give a shout out to her because she's an amazing person, amazing teacher. And she was very kind to come and, and actually give a computer science history keynote uh, at the very first app camp we did. So uh, thank you, Susan. And hopefully we'll have you on the podcast soon. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. Uh, according to your page on the internet, it says senior advisor to provost and collaborative co-founder of Steam Studio. So uh, yes, yes, that, sound, that sounds right. It's, it's much more, uh, it's much more impressive than what I just said. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's taught many classes across the uh, spectrum of computer science and 3D graphics and animation. And so She's a friend of mine as well, and she actually taught at UNCA where I went to college. So we're definitely looking forward to hopefully having her on the podcast at some point. All right, next, we're going to talk about breaking the diversity barrier. This is something that I just care very dearly about. Because the very first year that Charles and I went to WWDC, that was 2010. This is Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, for those of you who don't know WWDC. I quickly noticed, as we're sitting there in the crowd, of the sea of people standing in line, all that you know, WWDC stuff. But we're sitting there, and I just noticed everybody looks like me. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the majority of the people... They all look like white males. I mean, that's pretty much who were there at the time. This is 2010. You know, there's some international folks there as well that added some diversity. But if you're talking about the American people who were there, it's primarily white males. And I just noticed that. And this is kind of strange. Uh, I'm used to the Adobe conferences, which we had been to as well. And they were so much more diverse and, and also in San Francisco. Uh, so I just thought it was odd because that was the very first conference after Adobe being in the same Moscone Center that the Adobe conference was in. Uh, and it was completely different as far as the diversity. And then, you know, as we, as we were walking on the sidewalks of San Francisco, you know, enjoying the restaurants, people would come up to you because you're wearing this black jacket, you know, everybody's in the same club. <laughs> you got these letters WWDC on your jacket and you feel good. And, you know, and everybody who doesn't know about the conference, they're coming up to you going, what is WWDC? And of course, I knew that stood for Worldwide Developers Conference. But I kept thinking, you know, what would diversity change? Those are the, that's just kind of popped in my head. Yeah, this is a topic that's obviously very dear to me as well, being an African-American. <laughs> Growing up, 
I was very fortunate to be around a lot of people who were into technology. And, you know, as I look back on my life and try to figure out, you know, I'm not anybody special. It's almost like when, you know, when people say that, you know, this chose me, <laughs> it's almost like technology chose me because, you know, when I was in elementary school, I was academically gifted, which allowed me to basically switch paths into an academically gifted class. And they were the first classroom that actually had an Apple II computer in the room. And so I was very fortunate. It could have easily gone a different direction had I not been in a classroom where there was a computer and get introduced to basic programming. So, you know, as far back as I can remember, I've had a computer nearby or people who could teach me about what they knew about computers. And I gravitated towards those people over the years. And I'll get into more of my backstory at another episode, but it really was a shocker as I would continue to grow and, and go through school to see that most African-Americans, and even as we talk about just diversity in general, females especially were not interested in technology. It was typically creative fields, like you mentioned, sports, obviously, you know, there was other popular choices that were disciplines that were more popular, I should say. So I feel fortunate to have been exposed to it. Now, most of my childhood, I was not into to computers in terms of like my home life. We didn't have a computer at home. We couldn't afford one. But basically, as often as I could be around a person that had a computer, I was a human sponge. I was learning from all of my friends. It's interesting as I got older and I started taking more computer classes that were available that, yes, I was in the minority. <laughs> Obviously, you know, I am a minority as far as race, but as looking around, I was thinking, where, where's my people? <laughs> and it was even more so when I started going to conferences with you and looking around. It was in my subconscious. I really never wanted to say it out loud until you mentioned it. <laughs> like, I think you were the first to tell me, hey, I don't see that many African-Americans here. And so, yeah. you know, that's a, a challenge. And as we look back now, we realize, and I think America even realizes that, you know, there's a lot of stigmas about coding and computer science and a lot of barriers, as we mentioned, that need to be broken down. And a lot of this we'll talk about today, which is, you know, the misconception that it's really complex and only people that are in advanced levels of math can do it. And it's intimidating and all those sort of barriers that are there that a lot of times African-Americans will say, I'm going to go in this other direction. I don't want to do that. That's for nerds. <laughs> and, you know, females will be intimidated because of many reasons we might discuss today. But that's just my personal experience. And, you know, that's what I've observed going to conferences and, and recognizing. And that's why I, you know, personally want to do my part in order to, to give back. Yeah, well said. The other thing I'll point out is for you developers, if you haven't watched the developer videos of guest speakers, of keynotes, they always have these amazing talks over lunch. You should go watch it. I mean, they're free. And they're amazing. I actually played the audio of the Goldie Blocks founder to my daughter several years ago after being there. Um, I don't think I actually was there in person, but I know I was at the alt conference maybe that year that she did speak and I watched it, you know, online like everybody else, but it was an amazing talk. And so I think we'll put a link to that in the show notes. The other one I'll say is Dr. Christine Darden. I actually got to see her and meet her in person after we saw her at Apple. Amazing woman. 
Um, and then the other one that I wanted to mention is, you know, Michelle Obama. We had the pleasure to see her, you know, we were really close to, to see her in person. That was up there with the best speakers ever, you know? So anyway, if you want to watch those videos, you should watch those videos because I think you'll get something out of that. We'll put the links in the show notes for you. The other thing we wanted to mention was uh, the App Camp for Girls. That was what really inspired our initial App Camp. I wanted to give a shout out to Gene uh, McDonald, who was one of the founded App Camp for Girls. I listened to a podcast. I, I looked for it last night. I could not find the podcast that I listened to. I think maybe it, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was a podcast probably, I'm pretty sure it was the summer of 2013. I know it was pre-Swift days. And she was interviewed talking about App Camp for Girls. And I was just amazed that she was teaching Objective-C. I'm thinking, how is she doing that? I mean, you know, that's just to teenagers. Uh, and, you know, and so then we actually tried that. We did that for one little session at the high school where we were working at. And it was called World Awareness Day. And I remember, you remember this, Charles? Yep. <laughs> we, I think it was right after we launched our app. So we were feeling confident. We're like, yeah, we oh, were we, ambitious. We can show them, uh, we can show them Xcode and Objective C in an hour and, and they'll get something <laughs> out of it. Uh, and that was a, that was a miserable failure. <laughs> I will just tell you, uh, never try to wing it on a Objective C course with teenagers. And then, yeah, it went horribly wrong. But I do remember the students who were there, all they really wanted to see was how do you put your app icon, <laughs> which is pretty much the easiest thing you can do in Xcode is tell them how to, you know, make your app icon show up. There is a hack and it still exists. So <laughs> all you have to do is put your image in and name it icon.png and <laughs> put it in there. We always do this at App Camp because we don't want to put all the different Icon. So if, if you want to quickly see your icon, just put icon.png. It still works today. <laughs> <laughs> but just going back to that app camp for girls, it really did. Just hearing that podcast, I said, man, that is amazing. You know, and I, I don't know. I think I shared, I know I shared it with Charles, but I'm not sure if I really truly thought at that time that we were ever going to teach an app camp. I think I just was thinking how cool it was. And then, you know, over time, it kind of became obvious, like, we should do this. We, you know, we work at a high school. Let's try this. And, you know, thank goodness the leadership there allowed us to do it. The next topic we want to talk about is stereotypes about girls. So yeah, so there are lots of stereotypes out there with coding, as we all know. We have the people like Bill Gates, and you've got Steve Wozniak, and you've got Mark Zuckerberg, people like that, who are the role models today, and they're all white males. And so you don't have a lot of female developers who are front and center in people's minds. You know, you just don't right now. And I think that's got to change. The stereotypes about girls coding are not really there yet, and we need to embrace change. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. And we need to break down the barriers with this as well, because what's happened is we've seen it firsthand where the teenage girls do not want to code because it doesn't, it seems like something dorky that nerdy, there, there are all these stereotypes that they don't want to be part of. 
And so it's not like that at all. I mean, that's how it's portrayed, but there's a whole other level. There's a whole creativity level. There's AR. There's so many different fields that you can get into that would open it up for anybody, anybody. And so that's what we need to break down because I did not know that. I did not realize that until I was like 37 years old. And so that's personal to me because I had, I had one computer science class in middle school and one computer science class in high school. And I forgot, I forgot about it. It was an elective. It was basic. And I completely forgot about it until I started coding again at age 37, you know? And so that's what we're talking about. There's a great article here and I'll let Charles talk a little bit more about the article about girls coding and just helping yet again, break down the barriers. Yeah, there's a website, theconversation.com, and one of the articles talks about stereotypes about girls. And I'm just going to jump around on a couple bullet points here, but basically stereotypes about what boys and girls supposedly like aren't hard to find. So they talk about toy advertisements that send signals that science and electronic toys are intended for boys rather than girls. TV shows portray engineers, basically computer scientists, often men, white men. Policymakers, teachers, and parents sometimes subscribe to these stereotypes as well. And so that doesn't help. And I have four girls. <laughs> I know you have uh, two children, one of which is a girl. Mm-hmm. And so we think about, okay, what fields can our daughters go into? Basically the stereotypes, I've seen it. It does dissuade girls away from it, you know, and, and I had to almost persuade my, my daughter who's uh, 14 to take our app camp. And I'm glad that she did. I'm glad your daughter attended our yeah. app camp. Because, you know, it was great to see them involved and, and realize, oh, wait, this is not just for boys. Yeah. You know, what sold my daughter was the T-shirt <laughs> when I told her <laughs> when I told her she gets a free T-shirt and she saw the design that sold her. <laughs> and it is cool. It is a cool design. Yeah. So there's obviously that hesitation, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And they're not sure how they're going to be received in an environment like that. Efforts to combat these stereotypes often focus on boys and girls abilities. As researchers who specialize in motivation, identity, and cognitive development, we think society has largely overlooked another harmful stereotype, and that is the notion that girls are less interested than boys in STEM. They found that this is not the case. And I used to hear growing up that girls were much smarter than boys at a younger age in terms of, you know, cognitive thinking and mathematics. And so it's interesting that that I heard that growing up, yet there's less girls involved in STEM-related curriculum. So I thought that was very interesting. There's more information in this article that, again, we, we will put these in the show notes, but it just goes to show that there's definitely some challenges. And I think that the country is trying to solve them, but you know, it's been a long time coming. And to see that there are people out there who are working towards this initiative, I think that's great. And we'll talk about some of those in the podcast. Yeah. And I'll just add something I did, you know, kind of during the middle of COVID. I will say it was inspired by Paul Hudson. There's a great podcast. I want to call them out. Charlie Chaplin does Launched, and it's a great podcast. He interviews a lot of developers. I just happened upon it, you know, because I'm always listening to him. Um, and it, it came on, and, and it was Paul Hudson, so I had to listen. Uh, and he started talking about just giving back. And that developers are just, you know, some of them are out, he wasn't calling out everybody, but he was just saying a lot of people are out for the money. They're in it for the money. 
they need like during, especially in this time with pandemic and you need to find a way to give back if it's just mentoring one person. And so, you know, we, here, here we are, we've done years of app camps, but I still felt like I'm not giving back enough. Like after hearing him, like I need to give back more. And something he said is he said, even if you're no, you know, teaching your own daughter or whatever. And that just kind of, I just thought, wow, I need to teach my own daughter. I'm not teaching my own daughter. So I just decided to, okay, let's start making a podcast app because she wanted to, you know, do a podcast. So I said, let's make a podcast app. And then all of a sudden, I mean, we're, at, we're about halfway through now. You know, I will admit we, you know, ever since school started, we, we haven't <laughs> done it as consistently. However, it's, a, it's actually a pretty good app. And she's written a lot of that code. I mean, you know, with my help, obviously. But it's amazing. When, you have a, when you're working with a child, I mean, a teenager, well, she's not really a, a child anymore, but she's a, a tween, I guess I should say. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be 13 pretty soon. But they have these amazing ideas. Sometimes they're out of left field, but yeah. you know, so, so all I'm saying is there are ways for you to, to give back, go out and do that. If, if it's somebody at your church or somebody, you know, locally or with an or other organization, there are plenty of organizations out there that you could, you know, do some volunteer work. There are plenty of schools that would love to have you find a way to give back, please. There's always a way to, to do more. That's exciting. It's good to hear that her podcast app is coming along. I know that when App Camp was over, my daughter was still interested in learning some concepts of computer science. And we went even a step further than what we did in App Camp and just talked about some of the more complex topics. And I was excited to see that she was interested. And it, it shows me that, you know, there obviously is interest. One of the challenges that the computer science world will face is not having enough instructors. I think that's where organizations are trying to reach out and provide the curriculum and the resources that people need. I think App Camp for Girls has dissolved, but basically they're reaching out to other organizations or have reached out to other organizations that can take that group of students that they inspired and continue the mission on. So Black Girls Code is one of those examples on their on the website that's mentioned. They also mentioned Nova Code Collective and Digital Young Divas. So these are some of the organizations that they reached out to and said, hey, we're, we're dissolving, but we want the mission to continue. So those are organizations that are doing their part to try to reach out and spread the word and to provide this training to students. And there's also Black Girls Code specifically, they launched in 2011 and they're devoted to showing the world that Black girls can code. And do so much more. And I'm obviously reading this from one of the snippets on the website. By reaching out to the community through workshops, hackathons, and after-school programs, Black Girls Code introduces computer programming and technology to girls from underrepresented communities in technology areas such as web design, robotics, gaming, mobile app development, and more. By cultivating the next generation of developers, their hope is to grow the number of women of color in technology and give underrepresented girls a chance to become the future leaders in technology. Black Girls Code aspires to teach 1 million girls of color to code by 2040. So they're awesome. one of the organizations that's looking to, to bridge that diversity gap. Computer Science Teachers Association is another organization that's doing their part. On their website, they basically state that they understand that teaching computer science is hard. That's why their dedicated team and teacher-led board of directors has focused on creating a strong environment to support K-12 educators. So again, going back to that point that, you know, there needs to be educated people 
when it comes to coding and there's, you know, a lot of support that needs to be provided. And this is more than just educational. I think it needs to go to the government level to make this initiative a priority. And they're doing that. I think in the last, you know, 12 years, I feel like there's been a lot more emphasis on computer science. And that goes into the future being artificial intelligence, a topic for another day. Apple, they're also reaching out. They have their Black and Swift group, which I'm a part of that that, group online. Is is that organization tied to, there's an organization in um, Detroit that that is a, I don't know if it's a camp, but it's maybe some kind of a coding program. And I think it may be part or tied to that group somehow, but may not be. I don't think so, but I know that they have, they have colleges that they're giving funding to for SWIFT initiatives. I know that in addition to Black and SWIFT, they're also giving scholarships away. Another one they're giving scholarships away besides HBCUs are HACUs, so the Hispanic community. Okay. So Apple has an article here. Actually, it's on HACU.net. And it says, Apple accepting Apple Scholars Program scholarship applications. So the Hispanic Association of Colleges and Universities is partnering with Apple to award eight $15,000 scholarships through the Apple Scholars Program to exceptional college students attending HACU member institutions. So Apple's doing their part to also provide uh, funding, not only resources. There's a YouTube video Mm -hmm. that I was watching earlier this morning, which I thought was an excellent discussion by Flipgrid, which is owned by Microsoft. And they have something that I wasn't aware of called Microsoft Teals. And basically they work with volunteers all over the country, working in various industries, supporting high schools by giving their times. Basically it's a volunteer network of people who have obligated their time to high schools all over the country. And so they may, from one example they gave was somebody that works at HP, for instance, maybe one or two people go into the school before they go to work and offer their resources to education. And I feel like this is the way that it's going to have to work because I think it's going to be difficult to educate tons of teachers in computer science. I think you're going to have to have professionals in the field come in and Mm -hmm. offer their time back, like you mentioned, giving back in order to fill in that gap because there's obviously not enough computer science teachers to go around. And so I think that's how that could be solved easily. I mean, there's a ton of developers out there Obviously, there's a shortage, and I think if only a quarter of the developers gave of their free time to offer this expertise to the younger audience, like we say, stand on the shoulder of giants, yep. these, these kids can definitely have that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, just seeing the little things that we've done over the years, and, you know, and I never thought I would be part of something like this, but you just have to start, you know, just start doing your thing, and you never, never know what it's going to grow into. You definitely have to be passionate about it. And I think this is great to see the companies doing this. It's great to see Microsoft. Uh, I did not know about that. So I, I want to finish watching that video. I only watch part of it, but uh, that, that, yeah, it looks really amazing. And for you that are interested in the video, I believe, in my opinion, the starting at 11 minutes to 19 minutes is like the, the bread and butter of that entire video section. I think that was a great discussion. There are four people that are in the discussion. And I think they do a great job of breaking down some of the challenges and some of the barriers that, that we're facing in terms of minorities or women, African-Americans, Hispanics, others that are 
the way that they see computer science and the challenges that they experience, even a couple of people that are talking are administrators. So they gave their perspective on how to resolve this problem, because it's not just, you know, a computer science teacher needs to teach more or a school just needs to bring someone in. It's also the upper administrators that need to make this an, an initiative and a priority in their school in order for it to be effective, especially in a school or a school district. So I think that was a great discussion. And one of the most profound statements there was a challenge for minority instructors like myself, which is bring cultural relevance by showing kids who look like them that they can be just like you. And like that really hit home to me because I gave a talk at a local nonprofit. My daddy taught me that by a good friend, Keenan Lake. And I went in, there's a lot of young men there that he is helping to empower and better their lives, you know, bring them off the street and, and provide better opportunities for them. And to be able to go in and just tell them my story in a way that resonated with them was really important. And I think for them to look at me and say, oh, he's into computer science and he's into technology. Wow, that's, you know, that speaks differently. Just like I am not the best representative to speak to the white audience about things that you struggle with, you know, and vice versa. It's good for all races to be involved. And it was awesome that you were there to add your portion you know, to- I, I was just, I was amazed to see, see their reactions. Um, cause they were, they were obviously just hanging on your every word, which was just amazing to see. It just gives me chills just being there and thinking about it again. Yeah. And I think that's how you can inspire someone to say, okay, nothing wrong with going into sports, but for mm-hmm. African-Americans, that's not the only outlet you can go into STEM related fields and make a good living and do just as well, or maybe better sometimes in most STEM related fields, you don't have to worry about injuries. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So unless you you haven't done enough yoga and you're sitting too long at the desk, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Also another organization that's doing their part is Google. Uh, There's Google for education. And so they have uh, on their website, CS Education Week, and they're talking about uniting a future of possibilities for your students, and they provide resources for Google Classroom. And so they are doing their part as well. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of other organizations that are joining in the effort. And one of the things that I remember from going back to the Flipgrid video is that they discussed that computer science education week can't be the only week that you participate in computer science and then the rest of the year you don't do it. Uh, the, the focus is really that they bring emphasis or they bring, you know, computer science education week to mind just as a point of reference, but that you can continue on throughout the year. And in some cases, it's a great introduction and a starting point for schools. So that's where, you know, computer science education week's focus is on is being able to introduce this topic to schools or to organizations that have never seen it before. I think it would be great to talk about what Swift App School is doing. We have app development camps. We've been teaching for the past, I believe now it's been six years. I keep saying five, but it's actually been six to this point. So Bob, you want to talk about what we've done and what some of the things that we're looking to do in the future? Yeah. So one thing we're doing, we're partnering with other organizations So one organization that we have partnered with in the past is, yes, the Young Eisner Scholars. They are based out of Los Angeles, but they also have branches, one in New York, one in uh, Chicago, and 
L.A. and Boone. Boone, North Carolina. Yes. Well, how could I forget Boone? So Boone, North Carolina, closest to us. So anyway, we've had students from all of those locations attend our virtual camp. And uh, when we had an overnight camp, uh, some of those students attended the overnight camp. Uh, So that is just, I don't know, that's the first experience we have with this organization. And they are amazing. We met the director from Chicago, uh, C.G. Henderson. We've had Zoom calls with her. We've shared Swift App School swag with her and her students. I mean, it's just, it's been a great relationship and we definitely want to do more with them. They have been a great partner. And and we also helped. talked to her about our vision and, yes. and uh, she was very passionate about what our mission is. Uh, I think it even touched her, you know, talking about what we'd like to see happen in the future. Yeah. And her own son attended and she's actually said he's still coding today after attending our app camp. So that was kind of nice to hear that too. But just want to give a shout out to them because they've been great. Also, we've had support from Hatch uh, Asheville. They have helped us secure scholarships. Buncombe County Schools has been very supportive of us. And they actually sent some students our way to, to our camps this summer on scholarship. And then we've also partnered with, my daddy taught me that. We're hoping to do more with them, as Charles mentioned. But yeah, it's just been amazing that we've seen, just to give you an idea, that our very first app camp, 2015, it was a year after Swift. That very first app camp, there were 11 students. And I think we had two girls. Yes. We had two girls and we actually had two girls helping us as, no, no, no. We had two girls. That was it. We didn't have a teacher assistant that year. (laughs) Right. It was just us. So yeah, we've come a long way, but the fact that now it's like 50% girls and boys and Mm -hmm. it's really nice to see that shift over that time. And we're seeing a lot more interest from a lot of different people. And it's, it's been, it's been great. I'd also say we probably had what, 30, 40% African-American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. 40% African-American this year, which was never, was, it was very low the first year. Maybe we had one the first year. I'm not even, I, can't I don't even think remember. we did at all. I don't think we did. Year. No, we didn't. No. We didn't. Okay. Yeah. The way I think about it is I have to look back at the pictures, you know, cause right. I forget from year to year, they all blur together eventually. But yeah, I mean, when I look back at the pictures, I remember, but yeah, that first year we didn't have any any um, African American diversity at all. Yeah, and I think you know we think about the progression of the of the camp. The first year we had eleven students. The next year I believe we had twenty, and That's I right. can't remember. You know, we might have had some diversity that first. You know, that second year I should say, and then the third year we had to expand to two weeks because it was becoming so popular. Yep. That's where we really saw a major increase in females and minorities. Yeah. And it helped. We had apples here at that point. Um, so having Apple, you know, and, and, and being a distinguished school and all that, that definitely made a big difference in that third year. All right. So moving on, we'll talk about iOS Mac development. I just... I don't have a lot of time. I have, you know, we both have day jobs. I don't have a lot of time to really do a lot of coding, um, but night is my coding time. And so I I carved out 
a couple hours the other night to do some swift as I was waiting on my son to come home. And so I just decided, okay, I'm going to do some coding. So I'm starting to code and I pulled out a tutorial and then all of a sudden I'm just, you know, I was in one of those flows, you know, you get in that flow and you're just kind of tinkering with your code. You're learning new things and it is just so much fun. I just want to invite you, even if you're a beginner, a true beginner, just get into Xcode, figure out how to download it. There's plenty of tutorials that'll help you with that. We're going to start having more tutorials in the future. So we'll be helping you with that. But basically just get in there, get your hands dirty and start breaking things because that's where the magic happens. Tutorials are great. We're going to offer some, but you can't get in that tutorial trap. I mean, I've heard Sean Allen mention it. I've heard so many others, you know, Paul Hudson, everybody. You can get in that tutorial trap where you're only doing tutorials, endless tutorial after tutorial after tutorial. But sometimes you just need to open up a project, start new and start breaking things because that's where the learning happens. I was working on a project for a friend of mine who is building a skills assessment app. And I learned so many lessons from that process. You know, I learned a lot about working with a client and, you know, working with them, you know, you're the designer developer and you're working with this client to try to figure out, okay, here is the expectation. And there's this entire process of back and forth. And I learned the importance of using layout programs to kind of help you scope the vision and show them and then come back and say, okay, let me make this change and go back to the client. I think the challenge was at the time I wasn't doing that. So I was spending a lot of time writing code. And if it wasn't what they wanted, it didn't meet their expectation. Then <laughs> I spent, you know, three weeks writing some complicated feature that, you know, won't even end up in the app. It gave me a lot of experience, but again, there are some things that I would never understand if I never spent the time just diving into the code and the documentation sometimes is difficult to understand. Sometimes you, like you mentioned, you get into a YouTube video or you go to some tutorial and you're like, okay, I got to watch this entire series in order to start. And, you know, I've just found that you really just have to open Xcode and follow along and really, because you can't memorize everything. So you're going to have to spend some time writing down like, okay, these are the five, 10 things that I need to do in this app. I'm going to basically scope my training and my, my tutorials based on what the expectation is on this project and not try to learn every single framework before you even get started. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. And so, you know, I learned a lot of things that, you know, if I tried to study every single framework, there's no way I'd be as advanced as I am now with this project. I basically had to learn how to build charts. I had to learn table view and iOS pretty well. I had to learn custom layout design, which at that point you were, you know, you were learning a lot because we were building our app and you were doing yeah. a lot of the layout, but I didn't have appreciation for what you were doing on the layout side <laughs> with the interface builder until I had to build this app Yeah, and dealing with constraints, which we talked about, you know, in a previous episode. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah, constraints. I'm, I'm so glad to be rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Just getting into that process. Like there are times when that is the best method for building a specific feature, but now that Swift UI exists, you know, there's a lot better solutions for being able to lay something out visually and getting quick feedback. But yes, with Swift UI now, I feel like it's a great time for developers to be able to jump in, create something very quickly, 
and get their feet wet, you know, get the experience under their belt. And that's been amazing for me to just jump in and do that project, like you mentioned. And I kind of go back and forth on, you know, we're teaching only Swift UI now, except for, I guess, Sprite Kit. But, you know, I kind of go back and forth on UI Kit because I do think that we should do a couple of little tutorials because there's still some use cases where you need it. And I think those, I'm sure they're still out there, but they're not as current. So it might be good for us to do a couple of UI kit tutorials just so that those people starting at least know a little bit about that. Cause they do need to know a little bit, especially if you're going to start a job. I mean, if you're starting a job today in iOS development, you need to know UI kit. I mean, you could, I guess you could start with Swift UI, but you may right. need to go down even deeper to Objective-C, but hopefully you'll have somebody else to lean on if you do that. I'm not going to teach Objective-C because I do have a love-hate relationship with it because it's the very <laughs> first language that I started on. And I actually, I was really loving it when we had to give it up. <laughs> I was getting, I was really in the groove and I was like, no, not another language. I was like everybody else at first, but yep. uh, yeah, I mean, Swift is is, is awesome. All right. So anyway, we're running out of time. Last thing, something cool. I saw this this morning and I texted Charles and said, okay, we've got to share this and I'm just going to leave the link for you to read it. But basically it's an ultra compact camera that is the size of a grain of salt. And the article goes on to talk about all the potentials for computer science developers to start writing code and manipulating this small camera that you know, all kinds of use cases with this kind of camera, this size, probably a lot in the medical field, I would imagine. But I just thought in with computer science week, you know, reading about this, it was kind of cool. And I just said, okay, this will be our something cool for this week. Well, you know, who needs to adopt this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you'll have a great idea. Apple. <laughs> of course. So they, get, so they can get rid of the notch. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. That's right. They probably already have, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they've already got it. They're like, we'll do that in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, everybody would love to see Apple integrate a really, really tiny camera with high quality, get rid of all the notches on the phones and on the MacBooks. But, you know, Apple has adopted that notch as part of their marketing. Like you said before, it's, it's, uh, it's how you identify Apple. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah it's a branding tool for them so great that's awesome i like that all right well y'all have a good week and uh stay safe thank you for listening to today's episode of the swift app school podcast you can always find us online at swiftappschool.com and we're also on social media at swift app school on twitter instagram linkedin youtube and facebook bye y'all goodbye goodbye